This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time, we are going to go back over the Romans passage, Romans 6, verses 1 through 11. Now, this happens to be one of the verses here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that may grace abound, that grace may abound? This line is probably one of the incentives that a lot of some people have for establishing an idea or the doctrine or the concept of cheap grace. Because he then goes on, how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Because some people teach that you can sin as much as you need to or want to, and that there is still forgiveness for that. But no, that's cheap. what's called cheap grace. And Leonard Ravenhill, the preacher from a number of years ago, had a saying, he says, there are only two types of people in the world. Those who are dead in sin and those who have died to it. And so it's either one or the other. You're either one of the goats or you are one of the sheep. Now Paul says in chapter 5 verse 21 that sin reigned in death in life but we yet have died to sin. Now, what we have to come to terms with is what it means to have died to sin. What does that mean? I mean, it sounds all nice and spiritual, and it sounds really like a great biblical phrase, but Tim Keller explained that, died, that we need to first figure out what it's not. And so, died to sin means we no longer want to sin. Sin has no more power or influence over us. But it isn't true. If this were the true meaning, Paul would not have had to write verses 12 through 14. If a Christian doesn't want to sin, why urge him or her not to? And then Paul again in Romans chapter 7 gives that famous section where he talks about the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. Because, believe it or not, even if we are saved, there is still a temptation to sin, is there not? We are being drawn constantly because the enemy doesn't want to give up on us. Now, number two, the thing that may not be true. Died to sin means we no longer ought to sin. Sin is now inappropriate for the Christian. The first interpretation goes too far. That was number one. And now this one doesn't go far enough. Paul says boldly, we died, not we ought to die. Now, number three, died to sin means we are slowly moving away from sin. Sin is weakening in us. But the term dead that Paul uses surely means something stronger than that. 
Besides, the Greek tense used on this verb is in one of the Greek tenses for past tense, and it refers to a single past once and done action. Paul is not referring to a continual process. He's talking about it being done. So what that means is that sin is dead in us. It doesn't have any power. Although it still tries to get you to do things, you have the power to say, nah, I don't want to do that. Number four, died to sin means we've renounced sin at some moment, such as in our baptism, we disavowed sinful behavior. In itself, this is true, but it is unlikely this is what Paul is teaching here because chapter 6, verses 3 through 5 explains that this death is a result of our union with Christ. It is the result of something done to us, not something we have done. Now, die to sin means we are no longer guilty of sin. Our sins cannot condemn us, for they are pardoned in Christ. Again, doctrinally, this is true. But again, that probably is not what Paul means here. Paul needs to explain why, given that we are indeed no longer guilty of sin, we seek to live without sin. Why the gospel makes any difference to the way we live. And simply restating the truth that we are pardoned in Christ is not an answer. So what he's talking about here, it means that sin no longer has power over you unless you let it. Verse 3, baptized into his death. If we were united with him, we're united to all of him. That means we are united with Christ. And so what that means is that we are walking with Christ and we are not merely identifying with the things that Jesus did. We are attempting through the power of the Spirit to walk as Jesus did, which means we have a sacrificial lifestyle and we're willing to give our lives for the cause of Christ. Not wanting to have all of Christ and all of who he is is sort of like only wanting to be married when your spouse is in a good mood. I'm going to leave that alone. But, you know, you, when you marry somebody, you marry them completely. You marry all of them. You don't marry them just on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You don't marry them just when they're happy. And when they're mad, nope, 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 I'm out of here. That's not the way this works. And in the same way, when we come to Jesus, we come and we get all of him. And that includes his sacrificial lifestyle. That means giving up our rights to ourselves, and being completely under the authority of Christ. So, verses 4 through 5, if we are linked to Christ in both life and death, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. We are linked to him completely. We have come to Christ. We are his. And that means we identify with all of who he is. In a sense, it's almost a repetition of the previous verse where we're with him completely or we're not with him at all. Now, 
verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Doug Bratt writes about this. What must be put to death in us, says Paul in verse 6, is our old self. In fact, he treats not just Jesus's, but also our crucifixion as an accomplished fact. Our old self, the apostle insists, was crucified. Our old way of life, as the message translation paraphrases it, was nailed to the cross with Christ. As a result, Paul goes in to write in verses 6 and 7, we should no longer be slaves to sin. Literally, we have been freed from sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We understand like, was it the old pirate saying, dead men tell no tales? Well, what that means is dead people can no longer sin, right? If you're dead and you're in the grave, you're not going to be sinning anymore. And so, in a sense, this is an illustration of our life in Christ. The old has gone, the new has come. So, we're not subject to sin. Now, here Paul alludes to Christians' mysterious cooperation in the Spirit's crucifixion of our old selves. The Spirit baptized us into Jesus' death. The Spirit crucifies our sinful selves. As a result, we can resist sin, Satan, and death's iron grip on us. This is good news, is it not? We no longer have to allow sin to rule in our lives. We don't have to be subject to it. We don't have to be prisoners to it. We can actually have the power within us by the Holy Spirit to say, no, when the temptation comes and be able to stick with that no and not be continually drawn back to it. That line that pulls us back to the sin has been cut and we are free to run in the newness of life with Christ. Now, go to verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. That doesn't mean that Jesus had any sin, that he had to die. It means he died on our behalf. That's the, we are the all there. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. So Christ now is reigning with the Lord Father in heaven, in his eternal kingdom, and he is reigning king even now. Now, likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. New Testament scholar Marvin Pate says that we are no longer in our sin. We are free from that. Now, it sounds like this passage is re very redundant. He goes back over the point again and again and again. But anyone who's been a teacher knows, or anyone who is still a teacher knows, that one of the best ways to get somebody to remember something is what? Repetition. Repetition. Say it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until 
it finds its way up inside the cranium and sticks there and stays. We repeat it again and again and again. Now, Paul says we're to live like we are changed. And John Piper writes about this. Believers are commanded to become in practice what we are in Christ, dead to sin and alive to God. Romans 6, 11. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And notice carefully that Paul does not draw the conclusion of a mechanical or automatic obedience from our death and resurrection with Christ. He does not say, since you all died to sin in Christ and are alive to God in Him, there is no need for me to command you to do anything, and there is no act of obedience involved. There is only an automatic mechanical outcome of sinlessness. No, that's not the way this works, and that's not what Paul is saying. Instead, he says, you died, so consider yourselves dead. You are alive, so consider yourselves alive to God. You are now alive to God, so now become what you are. And so we are to take away from this today that we don't have to give in to the temptations. We don't have to be weak. We don't have to say, I can't, I can't resist. I can't, I've, I've just got to go do this sinful thing. We don't have to do that. We're free from that. Now, how many of us find it easy to do that? I didn't think so. So, we need to remember that through Christ we have the power because we are crucified with him. The old man has been crucified. The old woman has been put to death. And we are now alive in Christ so we can say, nope, 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 temptation, back. I'm done with you. And that's good news. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your power for living.